The following takes place between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. Monday, December the 13th. It is the Monday after divisional round weekend championship. Sunday is set. The 49ers will host the Green Bay Packers for the NFC title game. And the Kansas City Chiefs will be hosting the Tennessee Titans this Sunday to determine who will face off in Super Bowl 54. And to help me break this all down, react, respond, vent, uh, cuss a little bit. He is Mr. Rhode Island. He is Mr. Mike DeBate. He is on the other line. Mike. How are we doing today? La, la, la. Doing well, my friend. You wanted to say the Kansas City chefs, didn't you? Yes, I know yes. you did. I know you wanted to say the chefs. I could tell I, I, by the, the I kind of screwed I, that I, up. I could tell a by bit. the hesitation. <laughs> yeah, I could tell by the hesitation. I knew you wanted to say the chefs. Now, look, uh, amazing weekend for uh, NFL fans. Just um, you know, expect the unexpected on Saturday, and then again, expect the unexpected on Sunday, especially after way, the way some of these games started. Uh, NFL football. We're down to the uh, we're down to the nitty gritty. We're down to the finals, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens uh, from here on in. But uh, it's amazing. Now, from thirty two teams, we've whittled our way down to four possible contenders for a Super Bowl title this year. Yeah, and, and the amazing part about it all is uh, <laughs> the Ravens are not one of them, and 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 that's just one. You know, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about right before we go into the air. You know, where are we going to start today? And and I'm thinking I'm going through everything, and the last thing that came to mind was the Ravens losing, which is absurd considering they're 14 and two and, and, you know, this heavy favorites, according to them, uh, you know, if you were to ask them and Earl Thomas, they, you know, they were just waiting to go to the Super Bowl, And now, now they can, now they can go to the pro bowl too, because they got 12 players participating. So there'll be plenty of opportunity for them to do so. But you know, I got it. And I have to start in Kansas city because, uh, you know, I, okay, look, I, I was, one of the only idiots that decided to take Houston because somehow I drank some sort of elixir to make me believe that Bill O'Brien was actually different from the Bill O'Brien that we've seen for, for every year since he's been the Texans head coach. And, you know, if anyone watched uh, FPC NFL live last night here on Sportscaster, you know, I, I was venting about Bill O'Brien then, and it really hasn't calmed down since because I mean, what, what kind of, boneheaded thought process goes through your mind to sit there and say we're up 24 to 7 and we are going to risk giving a very explosive offense a very short field and give them a chance opportunity to get back in the game and that fake punt call was was one of the dumbest uh stupidest most uh nonsense aggressive call like it it was just nonsensical uh, in my mind to go for it and i heard people oh you you don't want to give kansas city an that's exactly what he did he opened up the floodgates he put his defense in a very vulnerable position short field and then 
immediately, of course, these this is how things work. On the very next kickoff, uh, where the Titans or Texans were expecting the ball back, they fumbled, and that was it. I mean, that was the end of the game. There was no chance. I don't care if they staged a ferocious comeback; it would have fallen short because there's no way, there's no opportunity that you win that game, and in a game that, like, look, you know. They, they hadn't even Kansas City hadn't really found their groove yet on offense. I think it was inevitable. Eventually, they were going to score score some points. We know that, but we also know that this team isn't, you know, this Chiefs team isn't as uh, easily explosive as it was last year. Last year, it was just a matter of a couple couple flicks of the wrist, and and that was it. And this team was off to the races. This team has struggled at times to find more offense. So this was a perfect, 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 perfect opportunity for the Texans to really grab a stranglehold and, and, and surprise a lot of people and get an opportunity to host to host an AFC championship game against a team that you are probably more familiar with than all these other teams that have struggled with the Titans and 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 if I'm a Texans fan I am absolutely irate and and I'm ready for to completely pull the plug on this whole Bill O'Brien experience because I feel like this this whole coaching staff and this whole regime is going to waste Sean Watson who had by all accounts a very good game and really did everything in his you know in his repertoire to try to uh, uh just overcome this this terribly awful mistake and um yeah that, that's where I'm at with that. I, I put 100% of the blame on Bill O'Brien. Um, I, I think he, he, knowing that he has a defense that isn't quite to the level of some of these other competitors, he continually put them in an awful position. He put them in a position to fail um, consistently this whole night. And uh, yeah, so I, I put 120% of the blame on Bill O'Brien for this loss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're on your own 31 yard line. I mean, you, you, you call for a fake punt. It's such a risky proposition in a situation like that. And I completely echo your points. I mean, if you're a Texans fan, you look at that and you say, in my opinion, I think that's where they gave away the game. I understand that you have to put points on the board. You have to capitalize. You have to. But what that did was it proved to Kansas City at that point that these guys are going to be able to outcoach themselves. They're going to make mistakes. They're not well, they're not a well-oiled machine. It let them smell blood in the water. And when you have a team that's as talented as the Kansas City Chiefs is on offense, despite their struggles to maybe find their groove at times, you know that if that team does happen to find its groove and it happens to click and it happened yesterday, they're capable of putting a ton of points up in a very short amount of time. That's a very high prof, uh, very high uh, powered, very quick offense. And they were able to capitalize on it. So, you know, you take a look at that and especially the way the Houston Texans began. I mean, Kansas City blowing coverage on the Kenny Stills opening possession. It just walked into the end zone, yeah. 54 yards. You know, on offense, you know, you see the Kansas City Chiefs, they were wasting timeouts. They dropped passes. I mean, this was having a heavyweight fighter on the ropes and essentially lending a glove to him when he's down and saying, you know what? Yeah, you know what? You're down, but we want to pick you back up because you know what? We're going to knock you down and I, I want to throw this trick punch to show everybody what I can do. It's a situation of trying to get cute when you can't take that risk. And Bill O'Brien, again, a student of the New England Patriots uh, you know, organization and what they've done and how he's been able to coach that team um, that's something that I don't believe he picked up in New England. New England will get cute at times when they absolutely have no other alternative or when they feel it can be made to the best of their advantage. They're not going to do it for the sake of it, and I think that's what O'Brien did yesterday. Maybe his argument will be that he was trying to step on the jugular, but 
that is not the way to do it. Not that early in the game, not from the position that he had. Inexcusable if you're a Texans fan. If you're a Chiefs fan, yeah, you can probably sense a little anger in the voices of Ian and myself this morning. We're not I looked right. It, I looked very right for 15 minutes, and I was I was you I did was hesitant you, uh, to take my victory lap, and I'm glad I I, I held back. But uh, yeah, and it, it was probably a good idea to do that. But uh, you know, credit Kansas City. I mean, yeah. there, there's certain things that you can give them, and there's certain things that you can't. They weren't gifted the points. Yes, they were gifted some opportunities, but you still have to put points on the board, and they proved that that offense can score. Well with anybody so going to be a very very interesting AFC championship game I don't think anybody when the playoffs began would have thought it would have been Kansas City and Tennessee in Kansas City for the AFC championship I think most people were believing that the Ravens were going to be there not so much a shock that maybe the Chiefs could have made it Um, I think a lot of people are surprised that the Tennessee Titans should have but when you look at how they close the second half of the season and you know this better than anybody my friend you've been touting that drum for quite a while People really shouldn't be surprised. Tennessee yeah. was one of the best second-half teams in football this year. Well, and, and that's an example of a team that not only went for the jugular and then they continued to step on the jugular against the Ravens. And, and real quick, back to your point about uh, Bill O'Brien about uh, you know saying that, oh, you know, maybe you were going to try to put the game away. Well, then you should have went for it on fourth down deep into their zone instead of kicking a field goal. If that was the mentality that you had, you make that decision on that play and not right. you know, a, a foolish, foolish punt attempt when, when again— you know, Kansas City really hadn't moved the ball consistently at that point. They got a they got nice field position on the on the kick return uh, that led to that that first touchdown, and then the the Texans, feeling uh, you know a bit scared, apparently decided like, oh, just because we we didn't score on this drive, you know, we're we're screwed. And the exact opposite was happening. They could have punted that ball away. They could have let them try to drive down the field, kill some time, and then keep that momentum. Instead, you literally opened, I mean, I know this is an overused expression, but he literally opened the floodgates because the second you made that decision in three minutes, that lead evaporated, and there was zero chance that you were going to win the game. Yes, I, I, no. I technically understand there was two, almost, almost two and a half quarters left at that point. But at that point, you you've lost that game mentally, and it and it showed really in the players and a lot of the players. You could see them, you know, every mistake that was made, it was finger pointing, turning, and like, okay, you're supposed to be here. No, you were supposed to be here. Okay, what are we supposed to do? And to me, that that has coaching, uh, uh, lack of coaching ability, uh, plastered all over. And, and again, for the sake of the Texans and Deshaun Watson and this regime of players, the skill, this group of talented players, um, I I think you need a new voice in that mix. So. Uh, you know, but getting back to the Ravens and the Titans, the Titans just came out and played their game, and they caught a team that was, you know, in my opinion, a combination of several things. One, I think they were a little bit rusty given the two weeks off. Two, I think they were a little bit too into what they were doing, and you know, uh, the Titans team, uh, you know, carries a lot of the same characteristics as the Patriots team in terms of. They remember these comments. They know these comments. They they remember Earl Thomas sitting there saying, "Yeah, whoever comes and plays us in the Super Bowl uh, several weeks back, and how foolish does he look now?" And that you know, and that's why you know making proclamations like that. It's a people say, "Oh, what are you supposed to say?" Well, you know, you're supposed to just kind of just say nothing without 
you know, sitting there and proclaiming yourselves you know, yeah. Super Bowl champions. And, and, and you know, this is something we kind of knocked on the Ravens all year because, you know, we remember after they beat the Patriots, they acted like they won the Super Bowl. Same with, you know, same with the Texans. It was they won the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, for the most part, did the same thing, but at least they're still in the mix. Same with the Titans, you know, and, and at least for the Titans, you know, they beat them in the playoffs, you know. So there is something to actually brag about in that sense. So uh, but for the Ravens, I think this was an example of a team that kind of really bought into their own hype um, at the very worst possible moment. Uh, they just decided not to show up. And, you know, I've always kind of thought that J- John Harbaugh is a little overrated because, you know, every so often the Ravens kind of heat up and they start playing good football. And all of a sudden it's John Harbaugh. It's like, he's aggressive. He doesn't, you know, he, he does this, he does that. He has a special teams background. I think he's a bit overrated. I think the whole Harbaugh name is a bit overrated. Um, so, again, this whole idea that this team was not prepared mentally is not a surprise to me. Um, it was certainly a possibility. I thought they were going to overcome it, but, again, I right off the bat, you could tell right away that this team was not engaged. They were not prepared for this game. And at the very least, they just weren't uh, able to get over their own hype, and, and, and that was a big problem, especially with a team full of these type of personalities. And, and look, I took a lot of pleasure and a lot of uh, uh, enjoyment out of um, – you know, I can't remember who it was, but they they mocked the Mark Ingram uh, introduction to, to Lamar Jackson, which which, again, kind of speaks to the mentality of this team. And it can, you know, to fans that aren't fans of the Ravens who follow that team closely, that can be very insufferable. It's like, OK, relax, guys, you haven't won anything yet. You know, try to, you know, try try to get to the Super Bowl first before you start talking about all this bravado. So in that sense, I enjoyed that a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um but, uh, you know, this should be a big, humble, uh, rude awakening for this Ravens team. And, and look, the least of their problems was Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, look, Lamar couldn't do No, like Lamar was doing just about everything possible he could to help this team win. It just it, from a total team standpoint, this was this was an epic failure. And, uh, you know, one of those, uh, you know, on par with, you know, we, we talk about the Patriots a lot. And we'll bring up a negative Patriots moment that the 2010 Patriots team who went 14 and two and looked like uh, brain busters. And uh, all of a sudden they got rolled in the first round of the playoffs. And, and that was that. So uh, big loss for the Ravens. I, I think this is a this is a devastating blow for their confidence. And pro- that might be a good thing moving forward if they can regain it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I agree with you about Harbaugh to a certain extent. I think X is an O wise and on the field. I think he's a fairly decent coach, and I think he's a fairly good coach. I think a lot of that comes from his inability, I think, to maybe rein in the team a little bit. This is a Ravens team that has always had the reputation of talking a little louder than maybe their bravado can back up. Now, guaranteed, there have been some players on that team that have been able to back that up, and they've won. They've recently had some success, so you can't look at it and say, oh, they're you know they're talking from a, uh, an area of 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 no um, you know without any type of validity behind it but this team hasn't won anything as a collective group and for some of the bravado that they were talking Early on in the season, especially after the win against the Patriots, we saw a lot of that come out from the Baltimore Ravens and we saw a lot of that well coasting and we're going to be in Miami and this is when we get when we get to the Super Bowl you have to be very careful talking like that that needs to come from the top Teams like the New England Patriots don't do that often. I think you saw that a little bit, a little bit of chirping this year. I think you're going to see that put a very, very tight lid on that in New England next year. The boogeyman and all that. It's 
it's it's a little bit different than what we've seen in New England, and I believe that's going to be stifled. Look, Harbaugh has to regain control of his team. He has to recorral this team and say, look, there's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball here, and there is in Baltimore. There truly is. They've got great offensive weapons. They've got a very good budding defense that really showed, I think, a lot of signs of promise at the end of the year. Maybe get a couple of veterans in here and there that have, you know, these old, these grizzled type veterans that have been around the league. They, they're really incapable of the BS that comes with buying into your own hype and maybe straightening these guys out a little bit and saying, you know what, you haven't won anything in this locker room yet. Show me what you won. Maybe someone with a Super Bowl ring that can come in and flash it and say, this is what you're playing for. You haven't won it yet. Until then, shut up. And it needs to happen. It has to come from the top. That Ravens team lost this game because they were extremely undisciplined and they were extremely ill-prepared. Credit the Tennessee Titans. Granted, I don't know if they would have, even if both of these teams were clicking on all cylinders, I'm comfortable in saying that the Titans still had a very decent chance at winning that. It's not like the Ravens just walked up to them, handed them the victory, and said, you guys are going to play like garbage, but we're going to give you the victory because we're going to play like even worse garbage. Yeah. I think the Tennessee Titans, I believe, had a chance to win that game regardless. That's how good the game plan was, but they definitely didn't make it any tougher on the Titans. They made it a lot easier on them by essentially laying down and being very ill-prepared. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, this is, uh, you know, we're, we're not saying the Ravens lost this game. No, the Titans won this game 100%. I mean, they came in with a game plan. They came in with a mentality that, you know, look, they, their their confidence level is, is the good confidence level. This isn't a, you know, we're winning some games in the regular season. We're going we're gonna to build our own confidence. This is, they've gone into New England. They've gone into Baltimore, and they've beaten those two teams on the road. So what's to say that they can't win any game at this point? And, and look... Um, one of the things that didn't affect or impact the Chiefs uh, as bad as it could have was the absence of Chris Jones in that middle. Now, next week, they need Chris Jones in that middle because if not, Derrick Henry's just going to go off. The guy has three straight games of 100, over 180 yards rushing, 192 obviously last week against the Ravens or yesterday or Saturday against the Ravens. So the right. Chiefs need Chris Jones back. Even with him in there, I think it's going to be tough for this team to – to compete against this defense because again this defense is a lot better than the Texans. They are not going to give them as many open looks. I mean, how many times you know was there a receiver that had what 5 yards like radius around Yeah. Him, no that one is around such him. a good point. And, and that is look, such a good point. People think, you know, people think I'm going to sit here and knock on Patrick Mahomes because everyone's like, "Oh my god, he, you know, this was such a great uh, performance and he had a really good game." But let's not sit here and pretend like, you know, this was him willing this team to victory. It was a collective team effort where again, this you know, people knock on Brady. It's funny because people will sit there and knock on Brady and say, "Oh, he has all this help. He has Bill Belichick. He has this. He has that. He gets lucky here. He gets lucky there." And it's like, you know, I always try to 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 use that same mentality, and I encourage people to use that same mentality when you're looking at every other quarterback in the league. Because, you know, again, let's let's play the what if game and say, okay, if this was Brady, how would this performance be uh, framed? Okay. Well, it would be impressive, of course. You know, you, you throw five touchdowns or whatever it was. It's impressive. But they would say, A, he was gifted opportunities because of the special teams. He was bailed out, is key word. Bailed out. Bailed out by special teams. Remember, D. Ford lined up offsides, and that negates everything else that happened in that game. So to, to think that twice in, in back-to-back drives that the special teams uh, can give you an opportunity to combine, go, what, 45 yards for two touchdowns? And... Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, pull up next gen stats and, you know, people call Tom Brady a dink and dunk passer all you want. Well, guess what? 80% of Patrick Mahomes completions come from five yards and behind the line, you know, five yards and behind past the line of scrimmage. So, you know, this whole idea that people sit here and rip Tom Brady, use that same mentality when you judge every quarterback and you'd be surprised what conclusions you come to. With that said, I'm not sitting here trying to diminish what he plays. I'm just trying to put it, you know, how he played. I'm just trying to put it in perspective. He's a great young quarterback. Let's let's relax on trying to to over uh, uh, honor him this early in his career because look, ultimately, you're you're you've won one playoff game, or two playoff games against the Colts and against the Texans, and great awesome go ahead like i've seen people say oh this is the passing of the guard it's like how i mean what happens if the patriots and tom brady are right back in the super bowl next year which which is you know an, an entirely uh, uh, a perfect possibility that it could happen like that doesn't indicate a passing of a guard so um, people need to relax pump the brakes a little bit let these players let these kids grow develop and win and stop like you know elevating to the greatest this or the greatest that or the greatest one of the greatest games here greatest games there it's like calm down i mean i saw people ask the question you know is this does this surpass atlanta 28 to 3 and i'm just like wait what like you know calm down a little bit i mean first of all let's let's simple mathematics here 25 is greater than three or 24 so <laughs> 25 yeah of course 25 is greater than three but 25 is also greater than 24 which was the deficit here and again the circumstances super bowl timing all that stuff thank goes, you goes into absolutely a, into a big you know that's a big reason why that uh you know, that the Patriots Super Bowl comeback was 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 bigger because, look, you know, you can look to other comebacks in the playoffs that maybe had a wider margin. The the 31 point Tennessee comeback, of course, rings, you know, back in the day, you know, comes to mind. So. Um, uh, it, so, again, the, let's relax a little bit. Let's let's appreciate it as a really good game. Um, he's a good young quarterback to, who I, again, will continue to say. I, I, he still need. There's still a lot of parts of his games, a game that needs to develop, and and a lot of it has to do with decision making. When when things start to break down on him, you know, how often can you rely on those you know circus like plays to create things? You know, eventually you're not going to be able to do that every single time or at great success. So you're going to have to figure out other ways to win, and that's what being a quarterback and being a great quarterback is about and i'm not saying he's not going to do it this is not a a saying oh patrick mahomes can't do it it's just for all those out there who want to anoint him already let's let's relax let's appreciate what this team is doing because they are filled with talent they are well coached and uh look they they took it to the texans now you realize okay this is what we're going to do to get open and look i mean again how many times were these guys wide open ready to catch passes on big third down plays i mean like that that just doesn't happen zone man it doesn't matter it's just like you know, we're not going to get into the use of, you know, quote unquote, the rub route or, you know, depending on what team you want to talk about, the pick play, uh, <laughs> which which, OK, maybe I will bring this up real quick because I do uh, chuckle every time I hear it. Uh, oh, what a great, nice rub route. And then I'm thinking, OK, we'll switch switch the teams, put put blue, uh, white and silver on the jerseys, put Brady on the back, put Edelman on the back, and say, okay, now what's the play? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a decisive pick play that they get away with all the time. And so, again, I, in that sense, I laugh because that, that big uh, – I whatever that first touchdown – I can't remember who the first touchdown pass was to, but that was – it was a huge pick play uh, that wasn't called on Travis Kelsey. And that's kind of like, you know, that's how they run their offense, and it is what it is. But, you know, that's, that's portrayed as a um, – 
as a uh, rub route, you know, a cute rub route that that opens up a receiver when it comes to certain teams. So, again, impressive win by the Chiefs. Let's, you know, let, let's pump the brakes a little bit on anointing everything that the Chiefs do as the greatest this or the greatest that. And let's let's see if they can compete with the Titans, because I have my questions. And with that, my my short winded uh, rant is over. Well- <laughs> No, it's. I think you're absolutely right. And let's not forget, let's not discount the fact that as impressive as it was, and look, I am crediting the Kansas City Chiefs. They put the points up on the board. Again, nobody gifted this to them. But even Patrick Mahomes in his post-game uh, you know, comments alluded to the fact that everything was working. The play calls were open. Everybody was getting open against man coverage. That's something Kansas City has had a lot of difficulty doing this year. I think a lot of that came from the defensive breakdowns and maybe a little bit of an emotional letdown that the Houston Texans experienced by being essentially demoralized after being up big and expecting to, to maintain that lead. Their play calling prevent them, prevented them from being able to maintain that lead. And credit Kansas City, they went in for the jugular and they were able to find it. But a lot of that was from defensive breakdowns that were caused by, I think, a very big letdown by the Houston Texans. You hit the nail on the head, my friend. I don't think they're going to find those types of open looks and easy uh, access that the uh, the Texans provide them. This Tennessee Titans team is playing at a different level. Do not sleep on them. One of the things that I constantly preached last night was people saying, oh, well, you know, Kansas City's already making their plans for Miami. I think that's a dangerous proposition. Tennessee's going to come to play. They're going to have their hands full this weekend. Yeah, that secondary is... uh leaps and bounds night and day compared to what the Texans secondary is and and look I mean the Patriots themselves have had a lot of matchups with the Texans so we kind of know what the Texans are they they are a lot of a lot of sizzle but with with a lot of times no punch and, and that's right. kind of what this defense is and epitomizes because we've seen yeah, it time very good and time way to again. Say it. And we, we've seen this defense uh, get shredded by Tom Brady and the offense. We've seen it get shredded at times by teams that they just, you know, they, they beat up on bad teams. That's that's kind of their thing. They're really good against, you know, mediocre to, to okay teams. And when it comes down to it, these big moments, especially the, the, the you know, the, the heap of the pile, the top of the pile teams, you know, those teams you have to beat in the playoffs to win a Super Bowl. They just don't, and they come in and they get, you know, we, we all look back at the Letterman jacket uh, era. And that, again, I know is a little bit different, uh, different different team for the most part, but it kind of just epitomizes the Texans in general as a franchise. That's who they are. It's like they come out with a lot of snap and pizzazz, a lot of tire flips and all that. But at the end of the day, it's they're going to get run over because they say, they play the same old tired zone defense with, with players that just aren't capable of of playing that defense well so it's 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 the same repeat over and over again and it's like that's why it was so important that you don't give kansas city any sort of opportunity to gain confidence and that's exactly what they do they were they were bobby boucher looking to throw the football to 52 so he can go down the other field and score he was you know bill o'brien was like okay patrick mahomes patrick mahomes there you go here's the ball 30 yards boom touchdown like it's just it uh, I'm getting see, I'm getting worked up again because it, it's it, frustrating. It, it, I get well, it. Well, it's I, I, I get it. If you're look, if look you, I wanted yeah. to be right. I wanted to brag. <laughs> I wanted to sit here and be like, man, I picked the Texans. I was the only one who picked the Texans. And, and you know what? Gosh, darn it. For 15 minutes, I looked like a smart man. <laughs> Yeah, I really absolutely. Did. And, and, you know, and if they'd have maintained that, that could have been a much different game. It would have been a much different game because Kansas City was not on their game and they you were thrown off. Smart, but I'm not smart. <laughs> that was my computer being a little delayed because I tried to play that like two seconds ago and it just it wouldn't load. So. <laughs>
that's okay. It, it already uh, it already dropped in, and I think it was a, it was a perfect <laughs> time for it. Anyway, so it breaks up. It broke up my it broke up my rant. But uh, in any case, yeah, I, I, it is frustrating. If you're a Texans fan, or if you're someone that picked them, or that had you know that type of analysis, it is. It's really it's frustrating to watch because the Texans did have an opportunity to put this game away early, and they essentially did give it away. And you know, it's it's one of those things where Kansas City was ready for it. They were primed and front of a home crowd, explosive offense, and they prove that they can do it. So ultimately, it's going to be an exciting AFC championship game. I think it's going to be a very good game. I think you're going to see two teams that are coming in playing the hottest right now in the NFL and uh, in the in the AFC, I should say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that uh, this is going to be a, a, a pretty good game this weekend. And uh, again, I caution Kansas City fans not to take a trip to Miami for granted. This Tennessee team is not going to roll over. They will not be intimidated by Arrowhead mm-hmm. or uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the yellow in the end of the gold in the end zone. And, you know, they're not going to buy into that. This Tennessee team is going to come in and they're going to say, you know what, nobody's given us a chance and we're going to take it. And in a lot of ways, I think they're, they're eye opening a lot of people uh, when it comes to what this team is capable of doing and really credit a lot of credit to Ryan Tannehill. I don't think he's getting enough credit uh, for the postseason that he's having. His numbers are not going to light up the uh, scoreboard. They're not going to overwhelm anybody, but he has done a good job of keeping that offense in check and letting Derrick Henry do what Derrick Henry does. And I think that's a big reason for their success as well. So impressed by what Tannehill has showed me. And I can't believe I'm saying that in the postseason in the AFC championship game, after what we've seen from him from Miami for so many years, it was almost like, yeah, all the talent in the world that just can't put it all together. He's doing a fairly good job with uh, that this year, and I think he's found his niche in Tennessee. You know, you know, I, I'm starting to suspect, you know, just just a hunch that perhaps maybe it was Miami that was the issue, and not necessarily these players, because we've seen you, you know, think, several, yeah, so, might yeah, be. yeah, we've seen several of these players be. go on to uh, succeed in, in more greener pastures. But um, you know, again, for Miami, at least they have a different uh, regime now, and, and hopefully that's 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 looking to the positive. So. Um, We'll shift a little bit because, you know, we've, we've jumped on the AFC here and rightfully so, because there was, I, I think that was the most uh, uh, reactionary uh, set of games that we could have had all weekend. It was from the AFC um, from the NFC. I think it was more business as usual. Um, I, I did think that the 49ers game was going to be a little bit closer than what it ultimately was. But for the most part, I thought the 49ers were a better team. They showed that on Sunday in a, in a very dominating uh, fashion. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, gone on record at this point and said like look you know obviously the Patriots aren't in, in it and they were my original Super Bowl pick so I'm, I'm riding with the 49ers here because I do think that they're the best team available and I think they match up uh well against any of the remaining teams so um how were how impressed were you with the 49ers this weekend very and I mean from especially from a defensive standpoint I mean you look at a team like Minnesota coming in very uh you know very hot very uh riding a, a pretty good wave uh, when it comes to uh, the era of good feelings. But uh, the 49ers defense, I think, really proved that they're an elite unit and they can hang with anybody. They can shut down an offense. They can take away what you do well. And that's something that teams need to be 
that's something the teams need to do as they move toward the playoffs and as they move deep into the playoffs. It's all about taking away what your team does best. And I thought they did that to Minnesota on Saturday. I really liked the way that the offense, uh, you know, came to play. A lot of people are looking at Jimmy Garoppolo's performance and calling it more of a game management. There's probably an argument to be made about that, but I think ultimately, I think Jimmy has the confidence in all of the guys that line up with him that he's the type of guy that can take over the game, make a big play when you need to. And I think that type of confidence is infectious. Is he going to be the guy that's going to go out there, strap the team on his back and say, everybody else is playing like garbage around me. I can, I can strap the team on my back and win. Maybe he has that in him. I actually do believe he does. Having seen him and studied him for the last couple of years, I think he has that capability in him. I don't necessarily know if we'll see it, but I think he does have that ability. But ultimately, they have a very balanced attack, very tight, uh, very good, very tight running game, uh, a tight end that really, to me, is the best tight end in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can send all your hate mail to me, Kansas City. I would take George Kittle over Travis Kelsey any day of the week, twice on Sunday. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying, I believe that uh, to be the uh, the case in uh, in, in uh, San Francisco. I think they established themselves as the best team in the NFC. Anybody that was questioning that, I think this is going to be a tough team and a very tough team to compete with. But they've got another tough team that they're going to be facing this week. Packers did show up to play yesterday. Almost let the Seattle Seahawks back in it, which is why I think the San Francisco 49ers are still in the driver's seat here. But definitely a team they can't overlook. Yeah, look, I mean, I, and we talked about it on the post game last night. And it's, it's why my, my voice is, is, is struggling the way it is, because this is part of a, a run of... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I stopped uh, counting, but I think something like 14 straight days where I, I have to get on here and talk sometimes twice a day. So I apologize if I, my, my voice cuts out every once in a while. But last night we talked about it. And, and to me, one of the biggest things, uh, you know, he had a really good game, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but the biggest moments of the game, he, he delivered on two incredible throws. First off, that third and eight, third and nine play, which, hey, that's something that's not going to necessarily show up on the stat sheet. And, and this is this is kind of a further uh, kind of proving how foolish looking at just raw statistics can be because there's no way to really measure uh, that third and eight throw by just looking at a box score and saying, oh, they completed a third and eight throw. No, it was a beautiful throw on a, a very high pressure situation because, again, like you said, the Seahawks were threatening. And, and this is something that the Packers have dealt with throughout the season where, you know, they look really good in one half and then kind of fall back to earth in the second and teams slowly start to get in. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. But it's always, you know, it always gives you with that you know, it's like watching the Patriots. It's like they come out and score 30 points in the first half, but, you know, let a team inch their way back into a game in the second half. So you're a little uneasy. How do I feel? Well, you know, the team looked great for, for two quarters, but then they kind of let this team back in. Well, fortunately for the Packers, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers made, two, like I said, two of the biggest plays of the game by just completing those passes in, in such high-pressure situations. And, you know, I know after that third and eighth row, you had to, they had to get another first down to win this game. However, that was to me the backbreaker there, and that was the one that that killed this uh, the Seahawks rally because you know they had them backed up third and ten, third and long, and uh, you know that that was the money money shot right there, and the, the great pass from Rodgers, big uh, clutch moment from him, and uh, look now they're on their way to the NFC Championship game, and uh, it, it was a total team effort from the Packers. I just my first impression is is they're going to fall a little bit short against the 49ers, and it's not because they're going to play poorly; it's just because I think the 49ers are that much better. 
Absolutely. I think that's so well said. Credit the Packers. I think the Packers have been really flying under the radar. And I've been saying that a lot about this team this year is that they are flying under the radar. I know we've heard, uh, you know, the worst 13 and three, 14 and three team. I think that, yeah, I think that is, that's harsh. And I think the they proved that last two, night. 14 or 13, I know. Tell me about it. Yeah, exactly. A birth in the uh, NFC championship game. Not a bad way to do the season, but yep. Wasn't Tennessee the worst team entering the playoffs? <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Record, quote unquote, yeah. record wise, you know. Yeah, barely backing in and all that. It doesn't. You throw the records out the window when it comes to the postseason. It's the team that plays the best, and they really, you know, you talk about and We'll get back to the Tennessee Titans in a minute, but staying on the Packers. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a total team effort. Uh, they were able to hold off a. Um, uh, they were able to hold off a uh, a rally there at the end by the, the uh, by the Seattle Seahawks. Credit the uh, uh, the Green Bay Packers. They got the first downs when they needed to at the end of the game, close it out, and be able to move on uh, to Levi Stadium and a big AFC a big NFC Championship game coming up against the San Francisco 49ers. But again, I do believe that San Francisco is just playing on another level right now, and I think with both of these teams clicking on all cylinders. I definitely give the edge to San Francisco, but if they come in and sputter at all and Green Bay comes in with everything that they've got, this one could be a little more interesting than people think. So don't necessarily think it's a cakewalk for the 49ers. This is going to be a tough game. Um, you know, don't forget Green Bay has got a bad taste in their mouth from the last time these two teams hooked yep. up this year. I think they've got a lot to prove. They want to come out and prove that they can hang with them. I think they do that, but ultimately uh, just the early analysis that I have on this game is that I, I like the way San Francisco matches up with this team, and I think they do definitely have the edge here. Yeah, and and look, San Francisco got some great reinforcements this past week. D Ford returned. Uh, Quan Alexander returned to the lineup and had an impact, and uh, that's right. something that you know when when D Ford and Nick Bosa are on the field at the same time, uh, twenty four sacks and one hundred and eight some odd snaps. Um, when they're not on the field at the same time, twenty four sacks and eight hundred something snaps. So you see the drastic difference in how much they can impact this team. And, and this is something that I think from both team standpoints is going to be key, which, which team can get the most pressure on their, the opposing quarterback, because we know San Francisco can certainly do that. And they have a secondary that can, that can hold up to, to any sort of uh, pressure for the most part. I mean, you know, eventually you, you can only cover for so long, but you know, San Francisco happens to have, you know, assuming will Witherspoon is not playing, will happen to have a very strong secondary. So I do expect San Francisco to be able to get to Aaron Rodgers. And that's something that we've seen him struggle with uh, throughout the season and really throughout his career when he's hit a lot and, you know, he's forced to, you know, try to, you know, get out of his comfort zone. And then that's when issues, you know, tend to pop up. And I think this 49ers team is right. well equipped. And, you know, on the flip side, the Packers defense, the Smith brothers, you know, and, 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 and our friend Terrence Biggs made a, made a great, made a great point yesterday. They're not technically, you know, brothers, but they're, brothers you know what i'm saying so uh you know those two right. are just a dominating force on that defensive line a pair of sacks uh last night for the packers and that's something that they need to have that the, the 49ers can get away with not getting a lot of pressure on the packers the packers need to get pressure on this offense because if you allow george kittle emmanuel sanders debo Sanders, right. all those guys to, to to make plays in the open and you know, th this game is going to not go the way the Packers plan to, and the, the 49ers will be well on their way to Miami uh, to play in the Super Bowl. So um, first impression, I do give the 49ers a huge edge. Again, I, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. They're, they're the team I'm picking to win the Super Bowl at this point. So uh, I, I will certainly be leaning towards them. I, I just I give them the matchup advantage right off the bat.
Yeah, without question. And I, I do give them the matchup advantage off the bat. When it comes to the AFC, I'm not so sure I'm willing to give that matchup edge just yet. I think that there is a lot to consider when it comes to the way both of these teams play. I don't think this is a slam dunk that Kansas City fans are thinking it's going to be. Uh, either that or maybe they just haven't looked and, and really absorbed how well this Tennessee team is playing and the matchup problems that they can create for this team offensively. So uh, I would keep a sharp eye, folks, uh, especially on uh, the AFC and the lines and how that's going to look this week because this is going to be a good AFC championship game. I think it's going to be a very good NFC championship game. Uh, we're facing two great games, I think, coming up um, as we head toward uh, toward the next couple of weeks there for prep for Miami. But this is going to be a, a good weekend for football coming up, no question. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I – that Tennessee, that Tennessee game, and, and and that's something that, you know, just night and day from the Texans. You know, they're they're not they're so much better coached under Mike Vrabel that it it's it's not even funny. Again, I mean, we, we started the show kind of harping on Bill O'Brien, and, and rightfully so. Um, he deserves all the all the slack that he gets because again, he lost this game. He put the, his team in a terrible position, and that's the exact opposite of what you want to do. So it's going to be interesting to see the vast difference in coaching. Um, obviously, Andy Reid, you're probably going to give the edge to, of course, but um, you know, Vrabel has proven he's no slouch, and this team is certainly um, certainly capable of 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 beating anyone at this point. So, uh, so m- moving off these games real quick, cause we're going to spend a lot of time talking about these teams throughout the week. I mean, we only have four teams to talk about now, so it's, it's going to get exhausting at times, but, uh, we will certainly be able to do, uh, you know, try to work in as much other stuff as possible. And two things that popped up today or this weekend were two elections, uh, to the pro football hall of fame, uh, Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson both got elected in the, uh, as part of the Centennial Slate uh, class, which is uh, to basically uh, outside of the, the normal uh, modern era selections that you know we all know and, and probably get the most coverage for. But in this case, two uh, fairly prominent coaches, both on the field and now in media, have uh, been elected. And I, I just wanted to get your thoughts because I, I you know, obviously the big uh, issue I think anyone has when it comes to electing some of these coaches is, well, why isn't Tom Flores in? And it, it's a great question because, it, you know, when you look at a guy like Jimmy Johnson, yes, he was successful. And you can talk about all the what ifs. If if he and, and the Joneses didn't have a falling out, you know, maybe they do win three Super Bowls. Maybe they win four Super Bowls in a row. You don't know. We don't know. It's not how it played out. What we do know is he won back-to-back Super Bowls with a Cowboys team that when he took them over, they were one in fifteen. So I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the honor or anything like that. I think you know he he obviously has 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 been a great coach in this league. Um, you know, however, you know, again, look at Tom Flores, look at his impact on this game, look at some of these other uh, guys, and 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 you think, okay, well, what is a Hall of Fame coach like? You know. Jimmy Johnson has, you know, what is it, 80 and 64 record. So, you know, the the win total isn't necessarily uh, eye-popping. You know, obviously back-to-back Super Bowls goes goes a long way. But, you know, how how important is that? So, uh, first, I want to get your thoughts on on Jimmy Johnson and then uh, Bill Cowher, who I I think I could, you know, spend 15 years with the Steelers, won a Super Bowl, you know, year in, year out. They had one of the best defenses in the league. Two guys that, you know, again, I'm not saying they don't deserve to get in. I, I certainly do think that they do, especially considering the the standards that the uh, Hall of Fame has at the moment. But uh, what were your thoughts on these? 
Uh, again, I think very similar to the thoughts that you just put out there. I think both deserving selections. I don't look at it and say, oh, well, Jimmy Johnson doesn't really deserve it or, well, you know, he doesn't have a long enough resume of success or, uh, you know, Bill Cowher, obviously, you know, having the, uh, the, the one Super Bowl. But, you know, I do believe that both of these guys during the eras in which they coached, coached teams that were that were dominant in their own right. I mean, you can make the argument that maybe the Cowboys under Jimmy Johnson were a little bit more dominant in terms of how they went about their business than the Steelers were. But look, the Steelers had a sustained level of success for quite a while under Bill Cowher. I think these two are, are coaches that did a lot to revolutionize the game, maybe not radically revolutionize the game, but usher in that new era, that bridge from the old school type coach to the modern coach that we see. I think both of these guys held a pretty good hand in there. Um, I think a lot lot of it and I, I hate to say this and this is going to sound like a knock to both of these guys and I don't mean it like this but I think a lot of it is the media coverage yeah. the um the the I think a lot of the the sunshine that that shines on a lot of these guys Cower is a great NFL analyst on on CBS I think he does a great job in the uh, in the early part uh with the pregame and the postgame uh, I think Jimmy Johnson has become a pretty beloved figure on Fox and he's done a pretty good job there so I think some of that can be attributed to maybe a little bit of hindsight being, um, you know, maybe 2020 and romanticized a little bit when it comes to these two coaches. But ultimately, I don't have any problem with either one of them getting in. I think they're both deserving. And I think, uh, you know, ultimately it paves the way for maybe different types of coaches and maybe a few more coaches that need to get in uh, to get into the Hall of Fame. But your point on Tom Flores, absolutely. I do not understand for the life of me how he isn't in i think it's a travesty that he's not and i, I really think that something needs to be done uh to evaluate that and find out the reason for it because in my opinion he's as deserving of, as any of these guys that uh currently are enshrined in can yeah and 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 that's the thing that's a debate that's going to rage on year in and year out every year that he's not in and the rest of this centennial slate class will be announced uh i believe this upcoming wednesday so i think it's a, a it's a 15 member class altogether and then you have the uh, right. five uh modern era candidates of which we will uh, learn the night before the super bowl so uh, in a couple of weeks we'll kind of have that whole breakdown as to as to where um you know where that uh, uh, ultimately leads, and who who's getting in. Because again, you know, for for us who are probably in our thirties, approaching forties, uh, there's a lot of players that are that are starting to pop up now over the last few years that we we've grown up watching and and have right. to, you know play their entire careers for the most part. Um, so uh, you know it's it's interesting to see that and 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 to continue to see those players start to get recognized when you know you sit back and say oh wow you know I remember <laughs> rooting and cheering for this guy so absolutely um, watching your childhood heroes turn into hall of famers is a humbling experience and it shows that you're getting old my yes. friend so you know believe <laughs> well, me I'm already there I got a couple of years on you you're getting to that point <laughs> I'm pretty much already there especially when it comes to baseball you look at a lot of these guys yeah. that get in and you're like oh man you know these guys were rookies when i was in high school and now they're being <laughs> inducted into the hall of fame now they're the old that's guys tough. you're like wait a minute that's so tough. they're yeah. old <laughs> yeah yeah if they're old imagine what that means about me so yeah it's 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 tough it really is it's uh it's a, it's a tough thing to to get over but uh you know what you enjoy it and you remember the good times and uh you sit in a chair and just go ah back in my day yeah, this guy was good <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'll, I'll be doing that. As soon, I, I will fully commit to that once Tom Brady retires because Tom Brady still playing is the last true link to my childhood, really. Because um, <laughs> he's been playing. For yeah, Tom Brady's so never going to retire, long. folks. No, no, he's he just going to keep playing. He's, he's going to be the bionic man, and he's just going to you know roll over the league. So, you know, but, hey, we can live in hope, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Look, we, I, I can sit here and, 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 and say that that's not, uh, you know, that's not possible. But with Tom Brady, anything is possible. And, uh, <laughs> I, I I like I laugh at a lot of these uh, real quick because you know we got about ten minutes left in the show, and uh, I, I laugh at all these uh, predictions uh, about where he could go. Where's the best fit? Where's this? He could go here. He could go to the Chargers. He could go to the Colts. Watch the Colts guys. Um, they're all full of it. I mean, every single person that sits there and says, "Oh, he could go," they're full of absolute beep. You know, um, <laughs> they don't know. I mean, I, like, and I've told people before, you know, if you if you want to listen to someone, listen to a guy like Willie McGinnis, who actually knows Tom personally. And if anything, he's not going to say things just to say it. Um, like, you know, I suspect a lot of these other people do. Like, you know, the people that get up on national TV and say, oh, well, you know, he could go to the Chargers. I have I have no information to, to, to back that up, but he could go. And it, it's something I brought up a couple of weeks ago. It's the I don't know, you don't know, but you never know mentality. And it's it's so disingenuous to do that, especially at a national stage, a national platform, because, again, right. people, people are going to pick whatever side, you know, given that type of opinion on a matter, you're going to pick whatever side works for you. And, and that's that's essentially what you're doing here. So, um, again, for those of you out there that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, are, are worrying that Tom Brady might go play for the. The, the the chargers of all player or of all teams relaxed you know this whole idea that josh mcdaniels is likely to return uh given the fact that he did not get the cleveland gig only further cements that idea that this this is all lining up for tom brady to return next year um it makes sense from both the player and the coach and i've said this for for mm-hmm. what it feels like months and weeks on end but it's true and and again at the end of the day i think people are going to be sitting there and being like wow i can't you know i said honestly i said this months ago and i was like they're going to sit back and be like i can't believe we actually thought tom brady was going to move on because at the end of the day it's going to seem foolish when he resigns with the patriots for two years pushing that 13 and a half million to the final year and you, you you know you play it off that and if 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 two years is all you got there you go you're right at that 45 uh mark because he will finish his second year uh at, at the age of 44 and that will bring him up to 45 so again Every, everything seems to line up for the for the Patriots. Um, you know, putting this in perspective to uh, you know, kind of what we've seen uh, them go through this year, some sort of the struggles. Um, just look at how the other team, like Baltimore, was worse against Tennessee. The Patriots played Tennessee far better than Baltimore did, and Baltimore was the fourteen and two juggernaut, the the future dynasty of the NFL. So, um, to you know that that's the one thing that the Titans uh, game really put in perspective, at least for me, and in, in terms of looking at the Patriots, it's like, look, this wasn't as bad of a loss as you thought. I mean. Again, they, they ran out of steam. It is what it is. I mean, they've been to three straight Super Bowls. Eventually, you're not going to go to a fourth or a fifth in a row. I mean, it just it just happens. You're like, you don't go every single year. Um, in the Patriots' case, they just go every other year. So that's why next year, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they're right back in the mix, right back in the AFC title game, starting a new streak. Now, 
Obviously, Tom Brady is a little bit longer in the tooth, but um, every indication in my mind, every sort of tea leaf you can read, everything that's ever said is all pointing to the obvious, and that is he will be back with the Patriots for the final year or two of his career, and he will leave as a member of the Patriots. He won't be playing for San Diego. He's not going to be playing for for uh, the, the Colts. He's not going to go. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. And if I'm wrong, well, you know. So be it. I'm wrong. But uh, I'm feeling fairly confident that I'm not in this case. And, uh, you know, to kind of tie it all together to something we're probably going to talk about uh, quite a bit this week is the coaching hires. Josh McDaniels coming back is a huge deal. Um, You know, just because of that continuity, I think he would have been fine with with a replacement regardless. But, you know, the idea that Josh McDaniels is back, I think, is is a good thing for the Patriots, despite some Patriots fans uh, objection to that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I cautioned, um, you know, people on Friday um, on Locked On Patriots to not equate Josh leaving with Tom leaving because, I mean, a lot of people would say, oh, if Josh leaves, that's it. He's done. He's got to learn. He's got to work with a new offensive coordinator. Well, guess what? If he leaves, unless Josh is his offensive coordinator and he went to Cleveland, he's going to work with a new offensive coordinator anyway. I, I always thought that was kind of a lazy argument and a little bit of a disingenuous argument to think that these two guys are joined at the hip. However, the fact that Josh is coming back, I think is much more of an indicator of Tom Brady possibly staying than it would be Josh leaving an indicator of Tom leaving. I think the continuity staying there is a draw for Tom. And look, there is a very big part of him that loves working with Josh McDaniels, especially if you believe some of the information that's coming out of Foxborough that I've heard firsthand that Tom would like a little more say in the offensive play calling and the way offense uh, you know, works in New England and what he needs to do. I think he's reached the opportunity and I think he's reached the point in his career where he is, I believe, uh, you know, willing to, or uh, deserving of it, I should say. It's the question of whether or not the Patriots are going to be willing to do that. I can't imagine they wouldn't be. I think Tom has a very good influence on Josh and how they run this offense. I think the two of them can work very well together. I think Bill Belichick recognizes that. I think a lot of this all about oh it's belichick's ego he would never allow that belichick's gonna do what's best for the team he's a pragmatist folks he's not going to sit there and and dig in his heels and be this stubborn ornery crotchety person and not give himself a chance to win just for spite i think that's always been one of the dumbest things i've ever read in terms of that i think that's a lot of hot take machinery but Mm. ultimately this to me is a good thing for the Patriots. I think it symbolizes that maybe they're getting the band back together again, like uh, Elwood Blues said in the Blues <laughs> Brothers. Uh, maybe you'll see. You know what? You you might be seeing that. Uh, you might be seeing that terminology. Maybe in a. Uh, column on full press coverage that i'll be submitting today (laughs) definitely keep a sharp eye out for that folks you might be seeing getting the band back together a little bit in the uh uh, the later part of the day but i digress my friend i agree with your points you're you're always a salesman by heart i mean you always got to give that that give the customer that little bit of something that they want they they come yearning back for and i i like it it's the mick foley school of yeah you know you gotta love it (laughs) i i say cheap pop all the time and i'm pretty sure 98 percent of the people that i say that to have no idea what i'm talking about when i say cheap pop that's what i mean i mean mick foley cheap pop smile to the camera thumbs up holding his book that's a cheap pop that's right (laughs) yep that's right pop but uh yeah no that's 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 perfect and and, and incredibly well timed and uh speaking of timing we are we are wapping we are wapping up here um (laughs) sound like bobo uh and we're hunting wabbit as well (laughs) Oh man, I've done that twice today. I don't know if you caught it earlier. I caught myself 
the first time, but this time around, it it, it just it it came out. So we are wrapping up here, and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna wrap up this show because I've obviously gone off the rails here and I'm starting to lose my mind. So um, I only have basically I I have a certain amount of shelf life uh, on air that I can I can actually keep myself together, and then after that, it's all it's all. It's all wild and out of control, but uh, you know this. Obviously, we're going to be here all week breaking down uh, what's going to be a, a great, really great championship Sunday. Um, you know, we're, we're, we'll hope, hopefully, get some some expert opinions, some experts on on each of these teams on the show this week. We'll try, try to talk to them, get their opinions, and then um, yes, with the NFL season kind of starting to wind down. We are finally going to start <laughs> pushing ourselves into uh, the direction of other sports because there's plenty of stuff to talk about, um, certainly around all the other sports leagues going on right now, and we will uh, be eager to jump into that. So in the meantime, be sure to uh, give the show a follow on Twitter. It's at FPC Radio Live. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at IGLEN31. He is at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. And, of course, head over to FullPressCoverage.com. We are looking for a bunch of writers, uh, editors, podcasters. Check it out. If, you, if you're if you eager to get into the business, let us know. We're, we'll try to find an opportunity for you. And, uh, look, it's it's, uh, it's a year-round job for us around here at Full Press Coverage. And just because the NFL season is winding down doesn't mean that we slow down our work because the draft is just around the corner. And, of course, there's plenty of speculation to be had in the offseason. And we will be here Monday through Friday, 8 a.m to 9 a.m. every day to break it down with occasional breaks here and there. So with that said, have a great day, folks. Uh, enjoy your Monday. Enjoy the national championship game today. We will uh, we will try to talk about that a bit uh, tomorrow morning. Recap that uh, quite a bit. LSU, Clemson, it's going to be fun. Uh, tomorrow we will be back at 8 a.m. Until then, have a great day, folks, and we will see you then.